0: you guys hear about the outrageous act that happened to me today? This is the first time
1: we've talked to you and it was, I assume it wasn't on the news. It was not on the news. <laughs> I'm minding my own business, working in my office, and all of a sudden, here's my wife out fishing, catching a whole bunch of salmon on the boat, and I'm stuck in the office like an idiot. What am I doing? You're doing everything wrong. Everything wrong. She's out catching fish and I'm sitting in a hovel. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Nailed it. There you go. Hey, got some practice going on now. Welcome back. It is The Money Mechanic with you, and I have my good friends. I am the accountant. The economist is here too. What are we drinking? Well,
0: Jesse bought us a beer, I think. Yeah, Jesse from Winnipeg, who just started his FI journey, got a beer for us. So thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse cheers jesse
2: now i had to go pick out so i picked out we the accountant chimed in on our text today and he said get something dark we drink a lot of other ale so this is salted black porter and it is brewed by Fieldhouse brewing in lovely east abbey which is Abbotsford, which is about an hour hour 20 east
0: of vancouver it's literally on the train tracks i don't know if we can call it lovely
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing Abbotsford a favor. I yeah, mean, I'm not saying the whole Abbotsford. thing
0: is not lovely, but the brewery is like next to the train.
2: <laughs> Gives a nice little ambiance. Now this one says it's brewed with traditional Dutch droppies in quotes there, which is salted black licorice. This beer offers flavors of coffee, licorice, chocolate, and caramel with a balanced malt profile and Residual sweetness, pretty good.
1: What do you think? That is quite tasty. I don't. You couldn't have a lot of these for sure. I don't
2: know. You know what? I've heard you say that before, and, <laughs> and so then I, I was keep never you.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a fair point.
2: Are you savages drinking out of a can again? I have my uh,
0: Bonspiel winning cup.
2: Oh, nice! Oh, nice! Or I did, am being savage. We, we didn't win the Bonspiel, weekend. did we? I'm putting mine in it. Look how dark that is. <laughs> no. That is a dark, dark porter. You know who's going to yeah. be—you know who's going to be interested in this one—is our buddy Jordan Mass in Winnipeg. And yeah, he's like, he would like what, he's like, wait a minute—the beers came from Winnipeg, but you bought us to, He likes his porters, and he's not going to get to taste this one. I might have to mail him one. That seems fair. Mm.
0: You haven't already uh, disposed of the first one.
2: I have to share that when they come in six packs. I have to share the last one with the oh, with, so with you my, can't mail it. My financial partner in house. I know where to, I know where to buy more. Anyway, tonight. Gentlemen, the show is, uh, I think this is a little bit for Jesse, actually, but I think it's a little bit for the people that have been on the path for a while too, because we wanted to talk about ETFs and wow, what a giant subject, right? So this might become a two-parter. I think that's the only way we can do it. And let's not fool ourselves. This is the FI Garage not the rational reminder. So we're not going through the white papers but we're going through <laughs> we're going through the common sense of what we or and you, the listener should probably dig into when you're choosing an ETF. If you've chosen to become a DIY and maybe you started with a robo advisor and that's worked with, you know, it's worked fine for a while. And now you want to take charge of your portfolio because you'd like to twist up your allocations a little bit and then create some sector tilts and maybe have less Canadian exposure. For whatever reason, you may want to have your own portfolio management. Maybe you want to use passive as your add-on to that to keep everything balanced. Who knows? But today we're going to talk about Canadian index ETFs. We're gonna talk about dividend, Canadian dividend ETFs, and we're gonna talk about some Canadian REIT ETFs. How so, about the free free plug for passive in there? Uh, well of course. My buddies over Passive, <laughs> the Brendans. Don't worry. We'll get beers shipped wow. out. We're gonna get I'm gonna get them to ship us beers from New Brunswick. They owe us a beer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know you guys are listening to the show. Send us some beers from New Brunswick. Uh, oh, it is New Brunswick, isn't it? Did I screw that up again? No, it is New Uh, (laughs) Brunswick. New Brunswick, you're right. (laughs) The other thing too is check out the new artwork, gentlemen. It's very very nice. Yeah. Very if nice. you're if you're watching the show on YouTube, I don't need to tell you that. But if you listen to the show, you can watch it on YouTube, <laughs> and you can see the new artwork in the Pseudo Fi Garage that my wife got bored. We watched the documentary called Banksy about the uh, street artist who became quite famous in the last few years, and so she kind of got on this graffiti kick. So we have a beautiful Fi Garage graffiti sign here behind me in the show. So now, awesome. can
1: we make that an NFT? Yeah. Now we're talking. That'll well, sell for millions. Do you want me in? Well, funny thing,
2: not to, okay. Getting off track <laughs> right away. <laughs> we went down the I NFT rabbit hole. Anything. No, you did. You shouldn't Because remember last weekend we were talking about it and we talked about it on the crypto, crypto episode that we released. And so immediately I, I showed you that uh, my wife has amazing drawings that she's done on her iPad. So she's like, I can make an NFT. So we went down this whole rabbit hole and it's like, we'll do, we'll do actually one of our quick hits on it because it was a lot more of a procedure than you'd think of just like minting your own digital art and selling it. There's a So lot. now you, you have an M- NFT? Now? We have an NFT. So if you're listening and you want to buy an original of my wife's art, you can buy it. It will be blockchain technology secured. It will be yours minted. It's yours forever. Asking price is high. Six figures minimum. <laughs> how, many, how many? Yeah, six figures. There you go. No, no, we put it in for a reasonable price, but it's pretty nuts anyway. We won't go into all the details on that. I did want to actually mention that if you haven't, uh, I guess it all depends on when this is going to get released. But we're recording in the same week our crypto episode came out, and there's a great article that our sponsor of that episode, Family Money Saver, dropped right away this week. Uh, that rebutted quite a few of our points, which was fantastic. I thought it was a great opinion piece, a great comparison to uh, to our episode. So go check that out. Go read it because it's worth reading. You guys haven't read it yet, have you? Uh, uh, I, I saw it today. To- I-, I have
1: not read it yet.
2: <laughs> you guys are like think- trying not to talk of each other, and you're worse than you were ever before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I read it today. It was good. Um, we just forgot it was uh, radio for a second there. Cause we had the YouTube screen in front of us. So we were both not <laughs> Yes, you were. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. Well, I'm quite enjoying my salted black Porter to be honest with you. Yeah. This is really tasty. You know, one thing though about the porters is I do prefer, you know, the Phillips double chocolate Longboat. boat. Yep. I believe that's a Porter as well. I like a little bit more of a chocolate in this in my porters than I do the uh, coffee. Mm. Mm. See, I'm the opposite. I prefer a little coffee there. Yeah, well, that's fair each is own. What I'm not getting is salted. I'm not getting a lot of that either. No. And to be honest, I just ate a veggie curry, so I'm not really getting a lot of the licorice either. I've got a lot of curry flavors going on. But uh, anyway, moving right along to our ETFs of this evening. Gentlemen, we actually did some homework, which is kind of rare for us here in the garage. Well, it's rare for two of us. <laughs> Hmm. I'm not sure who you're referencing, but we're just going to let that one go. (laughs) No, it's pretty obvious. It's me and the accountant I was referencing. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's start off with the Canadian index ETFs. And as we all know, you're on your FI journey, you learn to, or you want to learn to DIY your investments. The first thing you're going to do is, well, let's skip over the robo-advisor part of it. Maybe you had mutual funds at a bank and you want to switch them over and and, uh, go to Questrate and buy your ETFs for free, right? So how do you choose a Canadian index ETF? And I'm starting here because there's more choices than you think. And apart from the common social media or articles you read, why are you picking the one you pick? So I'm not going to get into super deep dive on like the mathematical, the numerical details of each one, because... That's not our show, but I've got six of them that I pulled up that I think are fairly common. Most people will have heard of the Vanguard fund VCN. And in fact, most of us probably hold that. I know I do. That's not necessarily a vote that it's the best one, but it's a popular one. There's also uh, VCE, which is also Vanguard. Something to note here uh, right off the bat is that the VCN... Vanguard all it's an all-cap ETF, so it holds a little of everything in Canada. Whereas VCE, also Vanguard, is a capped one. So it uses market weighting to choose the holdings that it has. And along with that, the capped one, there's XIC, which is iShares, capped Canadian, and the BMO ZCN, which is a capped Canadian. So I consider you know those four are very very similar and i've got a couple outliers that i just wanted to bring into the discussion a little bit because they have some minor differences that may sway your personal decision and depending on your situation how it's going to work for you so it's XIU which is also iShares but it's only the top 60 out of our TSX index and then HXT, which now they call a total return. It used to be the swap based ones that are really tax efficient. And it also only holds the top 60. So before I bore everybody to death, accountant, which one do you hold? Uh, none of the above. Ah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Economist?
1: Correct. None? none of the above.
2: Oh, what? Okay, all right. Well, yeah. this is good. That's then I'll wrap up my presentation and figure out what <laughs> the heck you guys are doing on the show. Can <laughs> I ask a quick quick question? Please do. What's the difference between VCN and VCE? So, the only difference between the two that I and again, I'm I, this isn't a super deep dive, but VCN is an all-cap. It holds a very similar top core holdings, the top 10 holdings, but further down the line they hold uh, mid caps and small caps as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones, they're cap weighted. They're only holding the the higher cap weighted stocks in them.
0: So the VCE only holds large
1: caps or there's a threshold. To large, the yeah.
2: yeah. There's a threshold.
1: Gotcha. So why, why would I want that then? Don't I want some small cap tilt into my portfolio?
2: Okay. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think that's one of the things our listeners need to ask themselves when they're choosing between these ones, right? Because I think the point of this discussion is that there's six here that track essentially the same index, the same target, the same benchmark. You're going to get probably pretty similar performance and going through these, looking at it, I'm going, well, there's like maybe a 0.4% difference in performance. Do you really care over five years if you're 0.4%? I mean, yeah, you kind of do care, but is it, is it enough? Right? Is it enough? And like, same thing with the management fees, right? We know that choosing the management fees is a really important part of picking a fund, too. But we're talking about, you know, some of these, like VCN is 0.05. Like, how do you spend less than 0.05? It's ridiculously cheap. And then, but, you know, there's, that's the highest price one here. You can pay up to 0.15. So you can't really compare these by their management expense, right? Well, it's three times more. <laughs> uh, it's not, not math nothing. checks out. It's just <laughs> checks out. It's not nothing. Yeah, totally. But you're not going to sit and look at these and go, well, let's choose the one with the lowest manage- management expense ratio. Right. And then, well, maybe you flip it over and you go, okay, well, let's choose the one with the highest yield. Well, again, you're looking at things that are the difference between 2.7% for VCN and 325 for ZCN. Now, I know like back in the day when I started, I probably would have looked at that and said to myself, I think I want to earn those other basis points and I'm taking ZCN. But is that a good decision?
1: What is the sector breakdown between those? Are any of them materially
2: different on what the breakdown in holdings is? Good point. And we are going to get to that in just one sec. I just wanted to highlight from what I just mentioned about the yield was that you need to look at your the total return of those ETFs as well. Right. And again, I'm not getting too crazy into numbers here, but I'm just clicking through. And for those of you listening at home, playing along, if you're not sure what to use for doing comparisons, I used a few different tools today for doing some of this research. And right now, basically, I just have Yahoo Finance with six windows open on my screen and I can click back and forth between them to give me some very basic numbers so that I can look and compare, right? Yields and and expense ratio and the cost of the earnings and the net assets. So just getting back to what I was saying about ZCN and VCN, year to date, and this is in early March, 2021, 4.95% for ZCN, which had the higher yield. And then VCN is 5.2%. So you've made up, 0.25% 0.25 percent of that yield difference in its total return. Does that make a difference to you guys? Well, I didn't even look at total
0: return when I did my research. Okay, and I mean, maybe I should have. But past performance is not def- not uh, an indication of future performance, right?
2: So, totally fair. So, to speaking to that, then uh, one of the other tools I used, which we talked about again, to <coughs> shamelessly pass uh, promote passive. <laughs> <laughs> I we talked about the portfolio. They don't even
0: pay us.
2: <laughs> ah, don't worry, don't worry. It's not about. I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the beer. You guys know that all too well. You know that. So anyway, you can get to Portfolio Visualizer, which this is actually. I had fun with it because it's a really cool uh, tool for making comparisons. So I here I'm looking at that. I used 2014 to 2021 with 10 grand invested and left everything else equal, right? And I can plug in the different ETF funds, and I can create three different portfolios so it looks like I'm comparing them side by side, right? Yep. Then it'll spit out the returns over the same period of time. I think this is a pretty valuable tool to use if you're trying to decide which one you should have. Once again, past performance is not indicative of future performance. (laughs) And (laughs) it might even be inversely related. (laughs) That's a valid point. Okay. But something else that I came across looking into these funds is you're not making a huge notable difference in your returns between these six funds. Like we're talking, just pulling up, here I am looking at portfolio visualizer now. And I, I just, while we're talking plugged in VCN, ZCN and XIC, which are probably the most popular ones that we think of here in Canada. Right. And I'm talking, the difference is within 0.4% for a five-year return.
1: So we shouldn't sweat it. Just start
2: board one. So yeah. what you're saying is for a Canadian total market fund, who cares? Just pick one. Is well, that what you're saying? I, I'm saying that if you just sit there and look at them from a surface level and say, what does it cost? What's my management expense ratio? What's the past performance? What's the yield? I think they're, and I totally agree with you guys, that they're going to fluctuate in their returns, but they're really all Basically, tracking the same thing. Like this is what you get into with such a small Canadian market, is that they're all holding the same things. Like they really, literally are holding the same things. And that's one thing that I think people don't look at a lot when they go and choose their ETS. Is look at the top holdings of the of of the companies. Especially when we get into further down the road, looking at the U.S. ones and international ones. I think that's where it gets a little bit more important. But just for an example here, the third tool that I used, and I mean, if nothing else, this is, there's some interesting tools here that people may not have used before. And on the Vanguard Canada website, there's a, in their insights dropdown, there's a tool section and you can do a side by side comparison with their, not just their own ETS, but I put in one of theirs and then pulled in, you can pull in three other ones and do side by side. You can print out a PDF report with this thing, right? And it gives you a nice like, layered breakdown. You can scroll down the page and read through it all and see the numbers. And as I was just mentioning, they, of course, show you the top 10 holdings. And literally, they are the same, like line by line. There may be a tiny swap between like Enbridge and Bank of Nova Nova Scotia is the fifth largest holding, but you get down to it. And... Interesting of note is how much of the total percentage of that ETF is held in the top ten holdings, right? So, for example, the one here VCE holds fifty percent of that ETF in its top ten, whereas you get into the iShares one or BMO and you're down to—I swear to uh, where it go here—thirty-eight percent,
0: or probably probably even VCN would be closer to thirty-eight.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but I think this sort of comes back to the question that the account asked, right? Pay attention to what its exposure is to the markets in Canada, apart from the top ten. You guys agree with me there? Well,
1: so you essentially could have saved us the past ten minutes and just said they're all identical, and we don't really need to
2: worry about it with total market funds. Is that what you're? No, <laughs> but but pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's got to be a reason to choose. What's the point of having all these funds? Well, that's where I think if you're, if you're choosing the different,
1: well, the point of having all the funds is the different companies that have them are making money off them. That's why they exist.
2: Okay. Yeah, I agree. So
1: if you're choosing, that's where I think they're probably going to have very similar returns. They're supposed to be tracking the same index. So yeah, they're supposed to be tracking the same index. So that's where it's going to be about keeping your management fee low looking to see if any are super overweighted into one industry or sector
2: as opposed to the others and go from there well and okay so another point to bring up here is that if you hold one of the above that we've talked about if for some reason you feel compelled to change to zcn instead of vcn it's pretty much a lateral move it's not like you're going to make any gains You know what I mean? Like, maybe you feel better going with the company that has the largest amount of funds under management. Maybe you feel better going with Vanguard because as we've heard in the FI community, Vanguard is a cooperatively owned investment company in the United States, right? So it has different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obligations to its shareholders. Does that matter to you? You Do you guys (laughs) suck at this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was way too serious for you guys.
1: Well, the thing is, we're we're getting to drink our beer faster. Yeah. And I mean, you were talking about the total market. So all of those are tracking the same thing, which means that they're going to have very similar holdings and very similar stuff. Yeah. Where things get interesting is in what The Economist and myself were looking at, which is funds that are not just tracking a blanket index. Fair enough. So that's a good way to pivot into it. But So I was looking at... Before we do, I have
0: to
2: ask the uh, money mechanic. Does he want to talk about HXT at all? Yeah, I just did want to fire that in at the very end there. And the reason this one, I brought it into the mix there is because if you're holding these in your TFSA or your RRSP, it's pretty much irrelevant. Right. But if you are holding in your taxable account... You might want to hold HXT because it's a total return. It doesn't pay any dividends or distributions. So you'll only pay capital gains. And funnily enough, that one did have the highest performance numbers out of the six that I chose. And furthermore, to that is one that I didn't really bring up a whole lot in the discussion. The One of the six ones that I chose was XIU. And this is the top 60, TSX 60, which is very tax efficient as well. And I was chatting a little bit with Mark C before this episode about it, and he's got a good post about why he sold XIU. And I think we'll get into that a little bit with the account when the accountant's done his part of the presentation here. But one of the things about XIU that's interesting if you hold it in your taxable account is that it plays 100% dividends. So it's more tax efficient. It doesn't have distributions or return of capital built into it. So they're pretty minor things, but if you're getting more sophisticated and you start holding money in your taxable accounts, you're going to probably want to consider some of those. Like I'm talking, there's really small nuance here. And that was kind of the point of all these ones, pick a Canadian index. You're going to track fairly well, but if you want to get super optimized, then you need to dig into use some of these tools, dig into it a little bit and choose the one that's going to work for your situation really is the end of what I think. That's fair. I'm glad your
0: thoughts have been expressed and uh, come back into this episode.
2: (laughs) I would agree with that sentiment. All right. Well, fine. I will segue you into the account because he's much more interested in what he did naturally than what I did. Well, I mean, and I'm not going to completely put it on you because. I mean, cheers.
1: I'm not going to completely put it on you because you did get stuck with the total Canadian market, which at some point, if you're tracking the total Canadian market, you have to have total Canadian market coverage. Exactly. So things can't be that different.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And and I was the last one to pick. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so why did you get stuck with the worst one? Last one to pick.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So, but this is good because this do, does segue into your part of the episode here because l- many of us not only hold a total Canadian market index ETF – But we also hold dividend ETFs, Canadian dividend ETFs. So tell us about those. Well, and I think a lot
1: of people would assume that similar to total Canadian market funds, Canadian high dividend funds would have very similar allocations and they would all be very similar. So I looked at VDY, which is the Vanguard, ZDV, which is BMO, XDV, and XEI, which are both iShares funds with two different types of tilts. It was interesting to look at the number of holdings. Okay. It's the first place that these really differed. So VDY has 45 different shares. ZDV has 52. XDV has 30. And XEI has 75. So not a huge representation, no matter what. Not a huge representation, no matter what. But when you're thinking about the Canadian market, There are not many funds that represent a high dividend yield in Canada. So we could almost say this is like XIU from what I just talked about. Top 60. Right. And your management expense ratio actually varies drastically. Uh, VDY and XEI are both 0.22%. ZDV is 0.38%. And XDV is 0.55%. It's high. Does that exclude any of those? I mean, if you were going to exclude them... I mean <laughs> if you were gonna exclude one, you'd exclude XDV, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean Just on the expense ratio? That's what
0: I'm asking. Is um, is 0.55 enough to exclude it? It's got the lowest holdings, lowest number of holdings. Couldn't you do that
1: on your own? Yeah, you're you're paying the <laughs> highest management fee for the lowest number of holdings, right? What's its okay now tell us about what they yield. So uh, they're all between 4.5 and 5% for their dividend payout.
2: Am I getting 5% for the highest management fee? Am I making up the difference? Nope. That's XEI, which has the lowest management fee tied with VDY, is at
1: 5 or just over 5 at the time of when I pulled the data. And VDY was at 4.59, ZDV was at 4.65, and XDV was at 4.51. So very similar. Okay, so
2: we can't choose based on their yield or their management expense ratio, except that we know that there's some differences there and we need to accept those differences for some particular reason to be compelled to have one or the other. So what other reasons do we have? The one that I found really telling was VDY, the top
1: 10 holdings represent 71% of the fund. ZDV, the top 10 holdings represent 45, XDV, the top 10 holdings represent 54, and XEI, the top 10 holdings represent 49. Okay. Like VDY looks like with 45 funds that it's well diversified. But when you
2: actually look at holdings, you're not diversified at all. Exactly. On the nose there, kid. Yeah. So And and you bring up the perfect point there is why I changed from VDY to uh, ZDV. Mm -hmm. It goes deeper than that, too, because I think you need to talk about the sectors. Well, so this is the next part.
1: VDY is 60% in financials and 25% in energy. Mm -hmm. You're talking the top 10 holdings are essentially just Canadian bank stocks and oil producers, and they represent 30% of that fund. I mean, are we not in index funds for some diversification? There's not a lot of diversification there. Banking an oil tank, and well, we're in Canada banking an oil tank, and we're all screwed.
2: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> we, we, we need the- to get past
2: that discussion. We need to get past that discussion.
1: <laughs> right. But even
0: the funds that the money mechanic was looking at, if banking an oil tank, those ones are suffering too.
1: Right. And that's where I was looking at some of the other ones. I mean, ZDV is only 37% financials, XDV again is 58% financials, XEI is 23% financials, but then it goes 31% energy. But the other ones are at least sector. They have some higher weight. You know, there's more telecommunications, there's some more consumer staples, there's some more REITs in some of the other ones. So you're getting a little more diversification.
2: Right now... And I I think that's super important. And this is one of the things is I'm definitely guilty of it. And I know you guys are too, that we've chosen a, (laughs) the economist does not want to be grouped into this guilt, (laughs) this collective guilt. Apparently not. I don't know what it is yet, but (laughs) (laughs) you're guilty by association. Okay. Hit us with what we do is well. Okay. I'll be, I'm the prime example. I will, uh, Bear my soul is that I'm sitting there holding VCN and I did have VDY, which I never sold. I just chose to start investing in ZDV. So here I am holding basically three different ETFs that make, well, they don't make my life too complicated because I use a fintech. <laughs> no names <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> but no. My point was, why do I have all three? Why can't I just pick one? And then why do I even bother with the dividend ETFs? Why not just keep it in my VCN and leave it be? Why try and? I'm not getting diversification. I'm not getting diversica- diversification by taking a Canadian dividend ETF. I just feel better because I'm getting paid some of the return in a dividend. And I
1: think that you just hit the nail on the head. I think it's psychology because you're right. When I looked at this, you're not getting any, you know, the high dividend funds generally. I think maybe one of them had one of the railroads in it. Like you're missing out on a bunch of good, solid Canadian stocks Mm -hmm. that are in the total market. They don't even have CN? Nope. It's not a big dividend pair. No, it's it's not a big dividend pair. Yeah. And so you look and you're missing a bunch of those, but I think the justification behind holding one of the dividend funds is a psychological one. If things tank and I would otherwise have been forced to sell while things are down, like I've had my Canadian dividend fund tank, my dividends weren't cut. Like ZDV didn't cut their dividends at all, all through the last year when everything else was going on. I think a lot of people take some of the dividend funds as oh hey this is a consistent stream of income.
2: I agree with you on the psychological point of that and that's actually another point I want to bring up about the cost price of these as well so we'll get into that in just a sec but the my argument with that is not the psychological part of it but the fact is that if you actually looked at the numbers from early 2020 and you looked at the hit that the dividend ETFs took relative to the total market ETFs and dividend ones got hit way, way harder, even though they're holding basically the same stuff because they have to pay out in dividends. Right. But I guess what the accountant was
0: saying was that you'll still get paid out. And did was, was there a big dividend cut?
2: No, no dividend nope. cuts. But the value of their shares dropped significantly. So if you panic sold, you got hit harder. Right, right, but are you less likely to
1: panic sell if you're getting 4.5% paid out monthly as opposed to 1.5% paid out quarterly?
0: Or if it drops and your 4.5 goes to six, are you like, well, clearly... I want six. I want yeah. six, right? I don't know. My, my other question for the accountant was, do you think maybe a dividend... ETF is a play if you're closer to retirement
1: or not earning income regularly. I think that's another big one, right? Is I want a income stream. Well, some of these dividend ETFs, well, maybe they haven't had the best total returns have consistently paid out four to four and a half percent on market value over time. Well, if I'm on a 4% rule, like maybe I want to lock some of that in and have the cash flow just for peace of mind. I want to know that some money's coming into my account every month. I'm used to money coming into my account every month. And if I'm going to stop working, maybe I want to have a little slice of that just to make me feel better. It might not make the most sense, but if it's what gets you there psychologically, is it worthwhile?
2: I think you make a valid point there. Good answer to that question. And it's important to recognize what part of this journey you're on, right? And again, I'll be the first to admit that I was guilty at the beginning of being like, well, of course I want to earn, hold the dividend fund because it's paying me money. It's I want the money, right? But it's not the best total return because I'm in accumulation for the next 10 years. But if I'm two years away or three years away, and I want to transition some of the portfolio into a steady income stream, then it totally makes sense, right? Because you've got the same holdings, you may not capture all the growth, but you're getting some of that back in cash.
0: Another time you might want to go with the dividend fund is if you're buying on leverage.
2: That's fair. Yeah, we could talk about that in a taxable account. But again, there's an argument there, and, and I, I don't want to really get deep into this argument because I know there's we've got listeners that are the total return fan base, and we've got the listeners that are the dividend fan base, right? And it's like, well, don't worry, economist. You can make your own dividends out of capital gains and total return. That's just fine. And especially if your taxable income is so low that those capital gains aren't getting hit, then it's like, you know, it, it's, yeah. This is for informational purposes and personal finance is personal. No, it's for entertainment purposes only. I <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> need to catch not that. Not for
1: informational purposes at all.
0: <laughs> I need another beer, guys.
1: <laughs> Already? This is dry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get around going. <sighs> you guys
2: are terrible. All right. Off to the fridge. So there seems to be a problem in the Beer Fridge Boys because that six-pack... Turned into a five pack. Uh I I am having a trusty Phillips glitter bomb from Victoria. You guys are having another salted porter, which I'm jealous about because it's a heavy two for the episode, but tasty.
1: I felt so bad about not drinking from a glass that I now have a glass. Nice work.
0: So see this, you know, these new style beer topper things. I'm not a fan. Well, I am because it, two purposes. One, uh, the, the duck's. Saves the ducks. <laughs> I do and, like a good duck. And two, no rat shit on the top of your beer
2: can. Two good reasons there, but my problem is with them, it's a heck of a lot more plastic that doesn't get recycled. Mm, that's fair too. Yeah, that's a good point. If they were getting reused, I'm all over them because they can totally be reused. They can. Well, what about the ones that... What Didn't you... Somebody sent me one where they're making an edible... I sent that, yeah. Yeah. Out of cardboard or recycled cardboard, whatever. Perfect. Like, do you know what they should be should be making that of is recycled Amazon freaking boxes. How many boxes <laughs> is Amazon buying? I want to know. I want to I want to supply Amazon with boxes. That's my like all I want to do to make money. Anyway, let's get back into this episode and wrap it up because it's not the fastest paced one we've ever had. But we're not done yet. We still have to talk about REITs, but wrapping up the dividend section by the accountant. I think the, my main takeaway there and from my own personal investing experience is that you can be totally fine holding a Canadian index and move on and be happy. You can be totally fine holding a Canadian dividend ETF, but there's a bit more nuance to those ones. So know that the sectors they, they're in, go in and actually do a little digging and say – Maybe I want more oil and gas. Maybe I don't. Maybe I want more financials. Maybe I don't. Maybe I want some more, you know, it's not like we're that diversified here, but you can get some more telecoms. And one of the things that none of these have guys is they're not a huge ton of utilities. No, I think
1: the biggest of the
2: dividends was like 11% utilities. Which is pretty small and utilities are a nice defensive play. So anyway, very. Nice. I think all we're really trying to do here is is highlight that you do have choices. And if you're a beginner DIY person, don't get overwhelmed by all these choices. There's some great tools to use and just start simple. And like I said, I started with VDY. Now I do ZDV. That may not be for you, but for me, I wanted a little bit different sector allocation as the account brought up.
1: And I think an important one to remember is that if you're not just doing a total market fund, is not all other ETFs, just because it's an ETF and it has a low MER, does not mean that it's created equal. Look into what these other ones are holding. Look into what makes up that portfolio. You might not be as diversified as you think. You might be overweighted in certain sectors. Maybe you want that, maybe you don't. It's really easy to do a quick Google and check. So
0: uh, we asked the question of the uh, total Canadian market, but what does everybody own for the dividend ones?
1: Uh, ZDV for me.
2: Did you not text and say I might have changed my mind?
1: Uh, I did text and said I might have changed my mind. And then I realized that I had mathed real wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got the accountant in a bad math. Nice. Wow. Well, I
1: I had typed a form. Well, because unlike you, jack wagons, I <laughs> spreadsheeted all of this, and <laughs> yes, I had did. a formula wrong in my
2: spreadsheet. So when I was checking it. Oops. So you're smart enough to do all your own spreadsheeting, which is yay you. I'm smart enough to go and use fintech that somebody else has made that can do all these portfolio comparisons for me. Smarter for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I for me, I told you guys already it was I started with VDY uh, mostly because I was a little bit uh, for lack of not knowing any better. I just chose all Vanguard funds because I knew I really couldn't go wrong right? And I think that's an important point too, is you can't really go wrong. Yeah. But then I realized, because I also hold some individual stocks and that's something I'm going to save right for the end of the episode here. And the VDY didn't tickle me the way I wanted to be tickled. I needed a little ZDV <laughs> tickle. I don't think we need to hear any more about that. <laughs> Let's hear about REITs.
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm in XEI a little bit. So that that's okay. all four of them, isn't it? Yeah. No, nobody has XDV. Nobody has XDV. Nobody, nobody wants that. just what? silly. 55 basis points.
2: Come on, Bemo.
0: Come on, figure it out. Jeez.
2: <laughs> no, XDV, that must be the uh, iShares. Shares. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's hear about some REITs. Okay. So the REITs I se- separated into uh, two categories. Okay. Too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Good. So the too expensive are iShares Global Real Estate Index ETF, and that one's a little different. It's CRG.
2: Whoa, I've um, never even heard of that one,
0: right? not me either. It is a six or no one percent Canada, fifty-seven percent U.S., and then the rest of the world's in there too.
2: Wow, so you are paying for a lot of out of Canada right content right there,
0: right? And these are REIT ETFs, right? Okay, REIT yeah. ETFs, yes. Okay, what's and, yeah? And then the, the next one is uh, the purpose duration hedged real estate fund PHR.
2: <laughs> He's got you went down a rabbit hole.
0: Well, <laughs> I guess I should plug the uh, uh,
2: dividendearner.com. Okay. Just did all my research for me. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Perfect. You know, okay. this show could not exist without the amazing personal finance content that is created in Canada for all of us to google and find. That's right.
0: So then the other, um, the other ones are XRE. That's an, yes. and I shares one. We know that one. Yeah. ZRE yep. is a uh, BMO one. Yep. And then the CI first Canadian REIT ETF Holy is, crap. is RIT.
2: Never heard of that one either.
0: So those are all the two expensive ones.
2: Whoa whoa whoa. You said that XRE and ZRE are too expensive?
0: Yeah. Okay. They, all right. All right. They want XRE? They want 0.61 for each of them. Ooh. So yeah, okay. it, yeah. if 0.55 at XDV is too expensive, isn't 0.61 too expensive? <laughs> <laughs> he makes okay. a point. It's yeah. And then the uh, the others are 0.7 to 0.9.
2: That's too expensive.
0: Oh, 0.7 is too expensive, but 0. 0.6 isn't. Very interesting. <laughs> you're right. You're,
2: you're totally right, right? Because we were talking about like 0. 0.05 is cheap, but 0. 0.15 is expensive. It's the same right. relative, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You did an awesome amount of research there. Are you going to focus in on the typical Canadian ones that most of us in this community know, like XRE, ZRE, and VRE?
0: Well, VRE is in the other category.
2: Oh, oh, what's the other category? The Affordable?
0: 0.39% is the other category because there's only
1: one in it.
2: Bargain basement. (laughs) Bargain basement. Yeah,
1: under 0.6 MER. VRE is the only one under 0.6 MER? Right. There's got to be a weakness, though. What's the weakness? There is a weakness. Oh, yeah, big time. So
0: (laughs) I went down this (laughs) rabbit hole uh, a few months ago, I guess, because I was looking for a REIT ETF to throw in my TFSA instead of the couple of REITs I hold. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I found the same problems I did then as I found today <laughs> 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 too expensive or else not enough exposure. <laughs> so the VRE REIT is only 15 holdings. Yeah. And 86% is in the top 10. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now the The two expensive REITs, they're not much better. The ZRE gets down to about 45% in the top 10 holdings at 22 holdings because it's uh, equal weighted, right? That's the thing about the the ZRE where the XRE and the VRE are both cap weighted. This is the critical thing to talk about here. Maybe not. Uh, Okay.
2: (laughs) It is a critical thing to talk about though. Okay, I want to see what your thoughts are on this, then, because I've I've been down this exact same path, and I have the exact same problem that I had starting with VRE, which is the Vanguard Canadian REIT. Right? It basically correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it holds all Canadian REITs in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it that's does. 100% Canadian, right? Yeah. And then I started going down the rabbit hole. This was a year ago or so, and looking at XRE and ZRE. Right. And, the, and because they're capped, or sorry, not they're capped, they're equal weight. No, no, XRE is not. Sorry. Okay. XRE, so XRE is uh, market cap yeah. as well? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for the correction. So that's why I ended up on ZRE is because I wanted equal weight exposure right. from everything because they're all Canadian again. So why is that a disadvantage or an advantage to me? What was your thought process on like pick... Uh, Looking at those ones, and I said equal weight is the most important part, and you said it is and it isn't. What's your thought on that?
0: Well, my thought on that was, when I was looking at this a couple months ago, is what I was really concerned about was how much office exposure I had, and how much, to a lesser extent, how much retail exposure I had. Fair. So, you know, ZRE is at 40% office and retail. No, sorry, VRE is. ZRE is only at 35 So the equal weight doesn't tilt away my
1: exposure the way I wanted it to. Okay. Right. I think that's an important one with real estate is a lot of these companies or the funds, what you really want for diversification is you want some industrial, you want some residential, you want some, you know, like if I have a REIT fund ETF that is all office space and office space tanks, I'm screwed if I have one that's all commercial shopping centers and COVID happens. I'm screwed. Yeah, you don't. You want things with the diversification of hey, I'm into different reits so that I have some industrial warehouse space. I own some apartments. I own some shopping centers. I own some office buildings. To be fair, both the capped and the equal weighted
0: kind of do that, but when I was mm-hmm. looking to to pick one. I wanted to avoid certain sect- sectors, or at right, least okay. have them to a lower weight. So that's why none of them, you know, turned me on. So what did you end up going with? I bought a little ZRE, but mostly I just keep hammering the REITs I own. So you've gone individual.
2: Yeah. Okay. And I think that's an interesting one here too. And without going too far off the rails here. Uh, it's going to be up to the individual investor, whether they want to get real estate exposure through a REIT, you know, maybe they already own a house like a rental property and that's the real estate exposure. Right. But if you want some REIT exposure, maybe holding, making your own basket of three or four that are sector, 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 chosen. you know, like maybe you want an apartment REIT, right. You know, we don't want to go off the rails here because there's, we could talk a whole show on REITs, but maybe you want an industrial, maybe you want an apartment and you want to, like the economist said, get rid of the office space one. So maybe you're better off making your own, right? The thing is with these is they're cheap and easy to buy. They're free at Questrade, right? So
0: Not only that, but when you pick your one apartment REIT and your one industrial REIT, you're exposed to how
2: that one individual REIT performs. All risk. Totally. I agree Thank with you. It's all risk. So do you need to have a REIT ETF? If you're building like this is kind of we're doing like the part one of the model portfolio, right? You have a Canadian holding, you have a US, you have an international, you have an emerging. Do you add in a REIT? Do you add in a dividend? These are like the optional dressings to your your dish here. Now do you now, need a REIT?
0: I don't know if you have the answer to this question. Sure, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are things like uh Rio Can in the total Canadian index? Tiny little percentage. Small. Okay, so that but they're there. And things so all the dot uns are in the, the Canadian index?
2: Now that's a good question and without digging in too deep for this episode to look at the exact number of holdings. I think the account you probably noticed in the dividend ones, they hold some varying amounts of real estate in the dividend uh, ETFs. I didn't notice a huge amount in the Canadian market ones because they're really not anywhere near the top holdings. So there's not going to be much impact on those on your portfolio. There's there's
1: not. And that's one thing that I noticed because in my earlier days, before I hit the five path and before I knew any of this information and I was still a stock picker, and i was a real estate guy i was both buying real estate and just investing in reits yeah you're still uh, a real estate guy <laughs> i know i am and you and you're still buying reits i do yeah you're not wrong <laughs> one of the things that always got me when i was going through the reit etfs is i have a couple reits i have one that's apartment buildings in amsterdam it's a TSX-listed fund. It trades at four times earnings. It pays a 7% dividend. It's had solid growth over the years. It didn't tank when the market tanked nearly. What's the ticker? INO.UN. An ERE is another one. ERE is another one. Neither of those are in VCN. They don't show up. Because they're not Canadian. Yes, they are. They're TSX-listed funds. They're operated out of Canada. They are absolutely Canadian funds. Yes. But that's my point is they're not in, they're not owning properties in Canada. Exactly. So that's one where there's a whole bunch, even I have a couple smaller ones, like I have one uh, TNT REIT. They own a bunch of buildings in Victoria that have 20 year leases from the province of British Columbia on them. I actually picked up the REIT because at the time I was working for the auditor general of BC and was like, I want to own a piece of all these buildings. This, these rents are outrageous. And then I found out who owned them and they were publicly listed. So I bought shares.
2: Yeah. I think there's a value to have some REITs in your portfolio. And I mean, we're getting a little beyond the scope of the the typical FI journey portfolio. But we are talking to people that are, you know, you may be comfortable with your ETF investing and, and picking outside the box and getting away from the all-in-ones or getting away from the robos. I think it's interesting because this is, The REIT one was an interesting one for me because I hold individual REITs as well, but it's also nice and easy to go, I want some – I think the economist brought up a good point without saying it. He said you get less risk in an ETF and you get more risk (laughs) because you're getting the sectors that are underperforming at the time, but maybe it's easier. Maybe it's easier in the long run to just just hold one of those, pick one of the ones that works for you. Did any of them stand out? to any of them like yield much differently? Has any of their performance over time been drastically different that could sway you? Or
1: I told you I didn't look at yield or performance. <laughs> so I guess the question is, is if you're gonna bother going down the road in building your ETF portfolio? Do you bother with a REIT ETF or if you want REITs, do you actually spend, you know, is a REIT ETF enough diversification to justify buying the ETF or do you just go buy a couple individual REITs? It probably
0: is enough, but is it worth the 0.6 management expense ratio? I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And it's also the question of... Is it going to move the needle? How much you allocate into that? If we're talking like you never, you don't probably don't want more than 10% of your total portfolio in REITs. In REITs. (laughs) Okay. What are you thinking then? I think I'm at 20. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but you know, if you're, if you had an all in one fund, would you then it's it's like comes back to the same question are you adding tilt do you want small cap do you want reit do you want like do you want some tilt in your in your portfolio it's totally going to be a personal decision and maybe a reit etf is the way to go but in canada maybe building your own is another way to go that's equally sort of easy for considering how much choice there is out there right yeah, again, we're just here to talk about it and present some information. We don't I don't know the right answer, right? I've I've again I've used both. I have read ETF and I have individual REITs. So there
1: you go. One day we're gonna have to publish our portfolios and just how incredibly messy they are. <laughs>
2: I showed them on the website at the very beginning. If you were at the FI Garage inaugural opening, there I put up my whole portfolio on the website and it was laughable.
0: And Josh we uh, we got a message from our host. And said, You don't have enough uh, capacity for it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. One of the it things. Does own like, one of everything. Ah, it is my goal in life to own one. Except a everything. Bitcoin. I have a fraction. <laughs> fractional ownership is still something. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to wrap this up just a little bit with an article that Mark published, Mark Seed from myownadvisor.ca, because I thought it was interesting and it fits a bit into the accountant's discussion and a bit of mine at the beginning about total return. And he held uh, XIU, which we liked at the beginning because it's the top 60 Canadian stocks. It holds very similar to what the accountant mentioned in his dividend stocks, but he sold all of that. The reason that Mark divested from these. And he's got an article that we'll put in the show notes. That's It's a few years old now, but he speaks a lot about unbundling his Canadian ETS. And he, and he references XIU, XIC, VCN, a lot of the ones we talked about. He doesn't bother bringing up the dividend ones because they're very similar as well. And basically what he's saying is that at a certain point that it, it's great to start with index funds and start with ETS. And there's no reason why you can't just stay with them forever either. But at a certain point if you are if you do like individual stocks, if you do want to hold a few bank stocks or some telecoms, eventually you're building the top 10 holdings in what the accountant and I talked about anyway. Yep. And you might even be buying a couple of REITs. So you could have a 10 to 20 stock portfolio that basically covers everything we've talked about tonight in Canadian stocks that are tax advantageous in your taxable account. They fit into your TFC or RSP as well. And then you can you you don't pay any management fees and you get to collect the dividends and you get the maximum growth from the companies. It's not for everybody by any means, but it's an option further down the road. I think indexing is a great way to start and a great way to finish. But you can pivot. So, uh,
0: if you do that, you don't get you don't own the small position in, say, the Tesla of Canada. You know the small cap that comes up, and
2: you don't own it anyway. Right. You don't so own they, it enough to to move the needle, in and we're it. back to flyers.
0: Find your flyer. <laughs> have those ten or twenty stocks, and have your own
1: flyer. Uh, Well, we knew the economists would want to pick something risky. (laughs) Well, that's where you, you know, you unbundle it. You have your top 10 holdings and then you have your Tontine holdings.
2: Oh, for, uh, again, (laughs) you guys are. Tontine. (laughs) Jackwagons. Yeah, well, Uh, I got to go back to my serious podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We need, we need that Tontine article in the show notes again, just to refresh.
1: (laughs) Just to refresh everybody. It's so good. It's such a great, I can't believe I found that.
2: Have you not pitched it to the city in Nevada yet? That's going to be the cyber city. <laughs> that can
1: be their entire pension plan. Oh yes. man,
2: yes. we're talking. We are talking. Well, boys, how do we wrap this up? Did they, I mean we're definitely not as fun when we try and be smart?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was fun.
2: <laughs> you you were short and to the point, which was good. Yeah. I, I think the main
1: takeaway is that unless you are in a total market index make sure you check what the weights are in what you're doing. Just because you have a certain type of ETF does not mean you're diversified. Doesn't mean you're in the sectors you want to be. Take the time, take a look. And turns out, even if
0: you're in uh, an ETF with more holdings, doesn't necessarily mean you're more diversified.
2: That's a great point. You know what my little closing words of wisdoms are? And this is big, big, huge points if you know who said this. You know, your portfolio... (laughs) <laughs> no your portfolio is like a bar of soap the more you touch it the smaller it is <laughs> so we're not that a buffet is that a buffet the soap one i thought so yeah maybe it was a ray dalio it's true and the point is you can pivot between equal etfs but don't monkey around too much just understand where you're at if you need to make a change make a change otherwise stick to what works Stick to what works Cheers boys Cheers There you go Jesse uh, You learned everything That we made up This episode About ETFs Thanks for the Salted Black Porter uh, Quite delicious I can't wait For spring We're going to be Kicking into some Weiss beers And some Summertime stuff That's going to soon Sours Yep Oh sours Yeah And uh, yeah We'll be looking forward To catching you all Next time On the F.I. Garage Au revoir Good day.